Some Man City fan apparently slugged him. Oh, I like Jeremy. Shit, you're old. It was a direct attack at you. Like, you look every bit 30, huh? He'll be killed by a number of men in the dugout. Watch, watch, rumbles on. Pina colada, large one. Yes, coming in hot with episode seven of this season, Football Played on Paper. And we have a stacked show and we're full house back too. So we welcome um, Halsey back. How are you, mate? You're looking yeah, little... good to be back. I've had uh, got some uh, opioids from the doctor for some pain relief and I imagine it'll hopefully make you guys a little bit more interesting tonight as well. So that should be good fun. <laughs> There's no need to lie, Josh. <laughs> when, you got when, you, when you come back, I was thinking, oh, Halsey might come back looking a bit leaner, but the custards have been going down well, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, like bind it by the tub. And they have chocolate custard now too. Jeez, dangerous. So uh, getting all over that. Uh, speaking of custard arms, Job, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. I think it's a little bit odd that the um, the bloke taking opoids is throwing shade at the, other, at the seemingly healthy gentleman as well. It's not an epidemic for me yet, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, he looks good in a tight-eye shirt, really leaning into that uh, zonked-out look. Barney, how are you, bud? Yeah, feeling a bit rough today. I just got back from a pub crawl last night, so <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. not feeling great. Yeah, right. Um, well, we've got a stack show, boys. Um, you know, some huge results. Uh, Brentford, probably um, the the highlight for me so far. Um, but we've got a couple of weekly happenings. We've got an opening question. Um, and then, yeah, full round of fixtures to get to. And then stay tuned for the multi results. Um, yeah, some big news coming through there. Hint, hint. Um, but yeah, we better crack in or we will not get through everything. Job, hit us with the opening question, mate. Uh, it was a huge weekend and personally a very exciting one. So the question's pretty simple this week, boys. Um, and you can't all say Bruno Fernandes. So who was your biggest winner for week one and who was your biggest loser? And you get one answer for each of the Question, parts. player or team? Doesn't matter, mate. I'm opening it up to you so you can narrow in your answer. Halsey, you can go first. Yeah, I got three answers. No, I got uh, Brentford <laughs> is going to be my team. Um, yeah, beating Arsenal is a good... Great result. It would have been nicer, I think, if they had a beat like a, a Chelsea or a Man City because Arsenal's still like it's just a mid-table team. Oh, but oh it's good for them. There goes all the there Arsenal fans. See Two minutes, later. 30. Uh, yep. Catch no, you later, boys. No, no big loss. No Arsenal TV. Um, so <laughs> then the biggest loser, probably going to go with City, I reckon. Just bad start for them. Worst mm. possible start for them. So suck it. Barney, <laughs> who have you got? Biggest winner, biggest loser. Oh, look, I'd have to say uh, biggest winner have to be Spurs, right? I mean, knocking off the champs, 1-0, dominant performance at home. Uh, Looked very good. So, yeah, I'd say Spurs, big winner. Big loser's got to be Arsenal, right? Losing to Brentford first game of the season and not just losing, but the way they lost was (laughs) pretty pretty gross. So, yeah, Yeah. big loser for me. Sean, who have you got? Yeah, well, um, producer Pete told me Barney had uh, different ideas, but mine are the same. So Arsenal, definitely the biggest loser. Um, obviously, to cop 2-0 on opening day is um, yeah, is, is not great for them. But to make it even worse, um, the president of uh, Visit Rwanda, the advertising campaign, come out and said that um, Arsenal are embarrassing them. Oh, um, no. Embarrassing, so, embarrassing a really? so, country in yeah. the midst of a civil so, war. So, yeah. <laughs> um, for those that don't know, Arsenal have Visit Rwanda on there as a sleeve sponsor. And, um, yeah, so that's starting to fracture. 
um, and they might they might get bumped on because tourism's going down uh, in Rwanda because yeah, of that. So if someone had told me when they <laughs> oh first signed that deal, a PR disaster, and one of these one side from this will pull out. I mean, you'd have to have your money on Arsenal, but no. Visit Rwanda, not happy with Arsenal. So, yeah, Arsenal definitely the biggest losers. And I agree with Barn as well on the winner. It's got to be Spurs. I think you go into that game without Harry Kane. There's all the all the stuff around it. Um, and then they go and, and beat the team that supposedly um, are meant to be picking him up just to show that, Harry, hey, we can do it. Not that um, I think it will be sustained for any amount of time, but, yeah, it just goes to show that they do have the capability if they get some um, some players in and they keep Harry Kane, that they actually can do something. Um, and I thought the the fans at the end chanting, um, Harry Kane, are you watching? Um, yeah, definitely made Spurs the winner. Clever. Yeah. So, oh, look, boys, I'll give you a different opinion. So the biggest loser for the weekend for me was Crystal Palace. So I was watching their Chelsea game on and off, <laughs> and they were <laughs> – I couldn't help but feel like Chelsea weren't at their best, but it didn't nah. matter because yeah. Palace Palace was so far behind Chelsea, it was outrageous. Like that was three nil, but if Chelsea had stepped it up, it could have been five or six or seven. And the biggest winner of the weekend was me. Um, oh, so so bigger, than, bigger than any. Don't care about fantasy. I see um, why you crowbarred this question into yeah, the Saturday so, order. So I was sitting around all Saturday. Obviously, we're in lockdown in Melbourne, and I was sitting around all Saturday waiting for the football to start. Nine thirty comes. Everyone's throwing shade at me. Bang! Manchester United five goals. Bruno Fernandez hat trick, and football is well and truly back. So Barney, I will throw it on to you to give us the weekly happenings. Thanks, Jabba, for that one. Uh, so we're going to start off with. Uh, a very important uh, article I read, and that is that Watford have moved their sponsorship on their sleeve from Bitcoin to Dogecoin. So oh, they've moved snap. it. This is a big change in sponsor worth £700,000. Why is it valued is. in pounds and not Bitcoin? I don't know. But apparently <laughs> hey, hey, that's trust question, in the system, hey. Yeah. The yeah. Deal, deal is only, yeah, they could... They, Dogecoin's worth too much, mate. It'd be That's like 0.5 Dogecoin. I can imagine what they're saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nah, we'll, we'll take you on. Um, yeah, we respect your business and, you know, your respected company and it's obviously the way future, obviously the way forward. And then Dogecoin are like, oh, yeah, so we'll transfer the Dogecoin into your wallet. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. We, we only take we'll, pound here. We'll pay you in the currency that we're trying to replace. Yeah. It's so, isn't that weird? Anyone else find that weird? And secondly, I yeah. thought I thought the whole thing about crypto was it was a ledger and no one owned it. So who's like who's Dogecoin to pay them? Yeah, I think you know well, I mean? doesn't that it's seem like weird? the technology that usually well, I don't think Doge is, but most of them are like they're basically a tech company because it's technology that uses the blockchain behind the coin all the time. But Dogecoin was just a, a hype coin. Like there's no substance behind it as far as I understand. So. Risky, risky and, taking them on as a sponsor. Bitcoin seems a lot if, if, if there was a club that was going to do it in the Premier League, it's Watford. Yeah. It's 100% Watford. Like yeah. Their owners are mental. Yeah, there's Maybe only Arsenal one, need to get on that. There's only one step extra, and as you say, that's Arsenal. Visit, that's visit Rwanda with Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah. And our new cryptocurrency podcast will be airing for the first time next week, so <laughs> yeah. please subscribe. Uh, and the other one we've got here is the, the Barca presidential war is coming. It's it's upon us, and it's gonna. All the information is gonna be released soon. So, uh, just on Saturday, I think it was, uh, former Barcelona president um, Bartomo sent a letter to Laporta defending his uh, actions during his management of the club. Um, after Laporta basically came out and said he's run the club into ruin, 
Um, and then Joan Laporta responded straight away and said um, he's going to call a press conference Monday to present the results of the audit that the club has had because of Bartomeu's reign, and then and then we'll respond to Bartomeu. So I'm really keen to see what comes out of this. Shawno, what are you most keen to see out of this? Um, well, I mean, I'd imagine a presidential election um, and audit at Barcelona would just run pretty smoothly. I can't see any... <laughs> they won't find news, anything. Yeah. <laughs> new stories coming out of this. One thing I did read, in Bartomeu's time at um, pre- as president of Barcelona, Messi's wages trebled. And so we're not talking. I did about, see that as well. We're not talking about like an apprentice who's on you know ten thousand getting a bump up to thirty thousand. We're talking about the highest pay player in the world. His wages trebled in that time. So, um, and it's not even at that time he wasn't even um, like you'd have to argue that he's um his peak of his powers was behind him at that point as well. Yeah. So he's getting all these like huge pay rises, but he's at the twilight of his career. It just seems unusual, but yeah. I mean, watch this space because there is going to be a lot of content for us coming oh. out of this. So, so good for the pod. Um, boys, just before we move on, did anyone see Gerard Piquet basically playing for free now to yeah. get the contracts free? registered? Allegedly. He, he, half, allegedly. Half, allegedly. Half, right. It's half what he used to be on, I think. Yeah. He, he took yeah. 50% pay so cut. So apparently him taking a big pay cut was enough for them to register two players, which, which to me sort of like explains the problems at Barcelona, that one player can take a pay cut to half. And that'll get you two new players. Yeah. So he so he said the a lot of the other players are going to take pay cuts as well, um, but he pushed his through so quickly so they could actually get to pay and Garcia registered. Just quickly on that, Messi's wages like going up so much. Um, do you think over those years when they kept increasing his wage that if he they didn't do that he would have left, or do you feel like he was going to he was there in the, for the longevity with Barcelona anyway until? this point of his career. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like he was going to stay there till he was like this exactly. age anyway. No, I agree. It's probably the Ollie situation we just spoke about a couple of weeks ago. What's the point of like loading him up with wages <laughs> and a big term contract? Ollie. No one's going to come come get him really. And like the same as same as Messi, <laughs> like like realistically like all you got to do is match the wages that someone else would would offer him. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I only, I only thought Jobber would try and crowbar in Ollie going to Solskjaer and Messi into the same argument. Two but mercurial sure. left footers. Sure. Oh, there we go. Sure no, you managed to do it. Management. I don't know. Yeah. All righty. Yeah. Let's move on to some transfer news. Ooh, oh, nice. All right. First one we got here, Tammy Abraham to Roma. Well, let's quickly go around. What do we think? Good move for Tammy or, or good move for Roma? Who's the winner of this one? Yeah, Chelsea, both. Chelsea or Roma? Win-win Sorry, Chelsea or Roma? I'd say win-win-win. Yeah? Yeah. 40 million for Tammy seems excessive. Yeah, it does. It seems a oh, lot, especially, out, especially outside of England, where he doesn't have the English tax. Yeah, and has he has he really proved himself at the he top has. level? I, I think he has. When he played for well Chelsea, he's he scored goals. He was a yeah. Prem's top goal scorer when he was in um, last year. He was he's played hardly any games last year, and he was their top goal scorer until four games till the end of the season. That's true. Yeah, and to do that, the Prem now he's going yeah. to play with Jose. How much ball is he going to see? Is it going to be good for his development? I don't know. It's a risky yeah. one. I think the, I think Roma potentially are the winner out of this one. I don't know if it's going to work out for Tammy. I don't know. I, well, Tammy, realistically, all he needs is game time to develop. Like you can't tell me that going to Roma, playing all the time, being under Mourinho, um, isn't a better move than just riding the bench at um, Chelsea. Yeah, true. True. Yep. 
If he if he gets a couple of twenty goal seasons, he'll be linked with every English club for yeah. eighty million in two seasons. Yeah, just no be, watch his space. Arsenal buy him, pay and pay overs for him very soon. Exactly. All yep. right. So we've we touched on it a little bit before, but um, Memphis Depay and Eric Garcia have now officially signed for Barca, thanks to PK taking a big pay cut. So they were officially signed and did both play on the weekend. I think yeah, only Depay, Depay assisted PK for a goal. Oh, Beautiful. thanks, mate. Take it back. Romance yeah. is back in football. Yeah. I don't know if Garcia played, but Depay definitely did. Um, and sticking yeah, with did. Barcelona, this, this, is, this is classic Barcelona, this one. So, you know, they're looking a bit thin up front, looking for some replacements. Who do we want to bring in? Well, we're a bit slim on the financial side. Let's think logically here. All right, Braithwaite wants to leave. He's probably on a low wage. There's a good striker, but he wants to go. Okay, let's bring in Orba, Aubameyang, or Lacazette. Two players who are on about 300 grand each just, just at Arsenal, and they're not going to take pay cuts going to Barca. I don't get it. can't financially work. But why even go for them? Yeah. It just is so it's so stupid. And also two players who are getting who are on the wrong side of thirty, I believe, and also haven't been in great form last season. Seasons, I'd say even. Yeah, the the only thing I'd say about being the wrong side of thirty, like if you if you're Barcelona, traditionally what they do, they don't buy um like development projects. Like they don't yeah, they don't buy individuals to develop. All those ones that are developing either come through their academy. What they normally buy, what they normally bring is just finished products. So yeah, that that's the only thing but, I'd say on that. But yeah, I agree. Not probably not the best thing. If the half both of those two can't really cut it at Arsenal, it's not as if they're yeah, in a yeah. team on the regular scoring regular goals. So what makes them think that they can go to Barcelona and and cut it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. And the last one we've got here is Denzel Dumfries has got his post Euros move to Inter. Uh, I th- believe it was for a touch over 30 million, 35 million euros maybe, I think. But, yeah, good, uh, probably a decent move for, for Inter. I mean, it, they banked like 80 mil on the Hakimi deal, so they're, they're at a, uh, in, a, in a profit at the moment for that. But um, it sort of repli- a same sort of player replacing Hakimi, like very good going forward, sort of um, wanders up and down that sideline. Not so good defensively, but I think he'll slot in well for Hakimi. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think he'll do well there because they've lost um, Lukaku. So, not obviously completely different players, but still to have some, what would you say, like vivacious, explosive person up front to distract defenders. Like vivacious. Just, is that a word? Nice. Am I thinking of the right word? From, yeah. right, from, from right back to striker. Yeah, I was going to check the in with, on that one with <laughs> no, you, Jobber. That's, that's good. Um, I think it's a big shoes to fill, obviously with the Kimi leaving, but um, it is a good signing. But they've banked like almost $200 million in transfers. Yeah, that'd be um, good. The power of debt. Yeah, hopefully service some of that 2% debt. Of it. Or straight into the owner's pocket. All right, Barney. Let's right. get into it. Let's get into all the games. Oh. There was so many good games over the weekend. So many goals flying in. And I don't know about you boys, but it was a very physical affair because obviously the rules have changed slightly. <laughs> they, the refs oh, have been yeah. saying that they're going to let a lot more go. And the players really took to it and were really throwing their weight around. And we'll start with the big boys <laughs> in Brentford, the big Bs. Who stung Arsenal and How put him to the sword? How many punts can you get in there? <laughs> <laughs> the sword. They took the honey and yep. got a two-nil win. So great win for Brentford. Their first game at their new stadium in West London. There, so they've um, they, 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 they've never played in that stadium. They built it just before COVID. Didn't move in. That's the first game they get a win in front of the fans. It's fantastic for them. So, Jobber, what, Barney, what do you before want to say? we before we get into the detailed um, review, I. 
I just wanted to say, I really enjoyed when the commentators said, looking at the recent form between these two sides. Oh, yeah, we were um, talking about this, weren't and we? Compa- <laughs> comparing Brentford's last against Arsenal, which was in 1947. So, Sean, that <laughs> was just after, yeah, just after World War II. So, you're in your prime. <laughs> and the, oh, yeah, so just keep an eye on the recent form. <laughs> what were they like back then, Pisy? As I said, boys, on the Discord, um, I am a half man, half Benjamin Button. I'm so <laughs> young. So... <laughs> Fair. All righty. Well, let's let's get into the the meat of it. Jub, we'll start with you. So, what what did you think of Brentford's first outing, and what what did you mm. like from them? Yeah. So, look, I love their intensity from the start. Like you could see, I was heavily critical of them last week because they said, "Oh, look, we're coming out to attack, and we're gonna you know try and win the league." Blah blah blah. Um, but what they were was like they were defensive and they were resolute. And all those one percenters that you need to stay up, like you want to be hungry for the ball. When the ball's there to be won, you've got to go out there and do it. And they did all that so much better than Arsenal. Um, but in saying that too, I am not uh, I'm not sort of writing Arsenal off yet because I think Arsenal aren't the first team that's going to be surprised on opening day of the season. And they certainly, like they're not going to be the last either. So I don't think it's, it's awful for Arsenal, but Brentford were just, they looked so much sharper. Yeah, they had that um, like championship aggressiveness, you'd call it almost. They were just first to every every loose ball. Um, on on the B puns, um, they got the win, and uh, bees often die after stinging somebody. So is that them done for the season, boys? What do you reckon? Jeez, talk, writing them off already, mate. I thought they, were, I, I, I thought they were um, they were really good. I think it, they showed good restraint in that they're like we know they're attacking and they've openly said that they want to be attacking in the Premier League, even though they're the small guys coming up. And it was good to see them, you know, get on the front foot and press and attack and move forward when they had the ball and that, but then also be smart enough to not not constantly be trying to go forward with it and be, re- be uh, happy with just sitting back, settling on the ball, defending well behind it, um, and just sort of, you know, um, have had a good defensive system where they're just pushing Arsenal wide and sort of making them cross the ball in. And they got three big guys in the middle, so there was no chance they were going to lose a header against some young, small guys in Arsenal. And I think it was just it was just good to see them balance it well like that and not just go full ball attacking and potentially be caught out in the counter. Yeah, I think their, their intensity is what surprised Arsenal. I thought Arsenal sort of, to me, watching the game, it felt like Arsenal thought they were going to turn up and their quality eventually shine through and they'd be able to break Brentford down and, and um, get the points. But, yeah, I think Brentford just kept the energy and the effort up just far too much for Arsenal and, and shocked them. I think I'll probably agree with you, Job, where I don't think this is like the um, you know the end of the world for Arsenal. Like They'll, they'll bring um, some of their players back in. Obviously, they've got Saka to come back in. Um, and, yeah, they'll be at it still. And But same for Brentford too. I, I, like Obviously, they just can't get carried away and think, oh, we're safe now. I think bring, bringing that attitude effort and energy um, will keep them safe all year. But, I mean, it's a lot to get yourself up every game, like especially when we get into um, January, December when the games come thick and fast. So, yeah, I think a warning sign for Arsenal um, and good signs for Brentford, but I wouldn't take it too much more than that other than to say, you know, it's just the first round. It's, it's important to note too, Aubameyang and Lacazette are both missing. So you're without a recognised striker. But the other thing that I thought was important was – uh, what did you think of Arteta's decision to start Saka on the bench, Barney? Yeah, I didn't like it. I know we we discussed this briefly off the pod, and you know he's obviously had a big big summer, and he's played. He's he's been with this camp a lot. He hasn't played a lot, but he's been in that camp the whole time, and obviously took an extended holiday. But yeah, I still think at his age, you'd think he'd be getting him in 
straight out lineup with like, especially with missing a Bamiang and Lacazette. Like he's he's your last year he was their best player, and he didn't even start. Yeah, yeah. I, but I think if you weird. if you look at the other teams and the other people who had big Euros, like pretty much hardly anyone who had a big Euros tournament played really. And I think but, you probably put Saka in that. I'd call it a big if, Euros for him. If you're Arsenal and you're Arteta, you can't afford to not start Saka. The other players <laughs> that had big Euros, that they have squads where they can do that. But if you're Arsenal, you can't not start Saka. Yeah, but then you've got the other the other side of it where you say you probably can't afford to start him if he's only sort of 85% fit and something happens to him either. And he's out for a, a series of games. So, yeah, you sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think if you're Arteta, you'd like to think that Arsenal, you'd have the quality to break down Brentford. So I, I think I don't think like even if Saka plays, I don't think they're winning this game just because he plays. Um, nah. So yeah, I think if he's not right, yeah, he's not worth risking because I think their season could go to pot actually if um, something does happen to him. Yeah, I think um, we were sort of talking about this off the the resting the Euros players thing off off air as well on Saturday night when we we're watching in Discord and. I think we were saying that it's more it's like it's more of a, a mental rest than a physical one really because they've had what th- over 3 weeks that's you know you can't really recover much more than that and it's more of that mental reset I think for the players which I feel like they they could all have had by now so I think the Euros players should should be should definitely be coming back yeah, well, yeah very one, true one thing um Roy Keane said that um back in his day uh like 3 <laughs> weeks wasn't really <laughs> yeah. enough because yeah. um yeah, you sort of had to, you know, travel and, and wait in an airport for a couple of hours for flights and stuff like that. But yeah. one thing Roy said, like three weeks might be long enough these days for these guys because, I mean, they treat their bodies uh, much better, more because they're educated to, to do so. Um, a lot of them have chefs, so they're eating the right thing. A lot of them fly private, so they're not doing those, those yeah. big flights and stuff like that. A lot of them are on, you know, yachts and stuff like that where it's private and they can just relax and do what they want as opposed 100%. to when, when they were there going on holiday or wherever, I mean, you'd walk out your hotel room and you'd be dealing with press all, all in your face and stuff like that straight away. So, yeah, I think the, the rest times, yeah, um, something something to watch and to monitor. But I think like we can all sit here and go, oh, three weeks is probably long enough. But you'd imagine the technology that's inside these clubs where they're doing like stress tests, mental tests, yeah. strength tests, and they've got a baseline of all these players. So if you've got, you know, your baseline squeeze test of your hip hips are, you know, what, however many pounds, and then you come back and, and it's under that, then the sports scientist is like, he, he's under his threshold, he's under his baseline, he's not ready to play. Simple as. Yeah. So trust the experts. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Exactly. So let's touch on the goals. So oh, yeah. first goal of the season, Canos just cuts in off a poor Arsenal clearance, gets the ball, cuts in at the top of the box onto his right and smacks one. He nutmeg chambers. And beat Leno at the near post. What do, what do we what do we think? Good goal or bad bad defending slash goalkeeping? Unforgivable Great. from Leno. Calm down there, Keen. <laughs> I'm trying to picture it in my head. I think, yeah, not great from Leno, but a bit out of sight, like unsighted by the nutmeg and great effort from Canos to get the shot away like that. Yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't I don't wouldn't take anything bl- away from the goal, but No, I wouldn't blame Leno as much as I'd say it's a good strike and it's also they're like Pretty poor press from Arsenal defenders pushing out to him, letting yeah. him get, allow him that much time to get it onto it onto his right leg, get comfortably shoot. See, um, see, so yeah, Leno didn't really have much to help him. But the second goal, this took it took us back to uh, it's probably more more attuned to the lower leagues of English football. Good old long throw in 
from the sideline. You could tell Brentford had been playing this because they had towers about every 10 metres down the sidelines <laughs> for uh, Pinnock, I think their centre-back was throwing them in. But, um, yeah, we, we sort of discussed this a bit off the pod and it was um, maybe a little bit of a controversial thing. It didn't seem to blow up too much on social media or anything. But what do, what do we think of Jansen standing? So he was sort of standing in front of Leno and then he also sort he looked like he was holding his arm, but Leno wasn't really trying to get out of it. Like, did we think that's... That shouldn't be allowed or it should be allowed? Yeah. Like, Fine, what's, what's the view? Yeah, I think we all yeah. agreed it was okay because it didn't look like it. Act like Leno was going to get to the ball anyway if he wasn't being touched. And, yeah, he didn't seem to care too much about it. I think the rest, everything around that goal defensively and stuff was pretty oh. suspect from, did, from Arsenal. Did you think it was a bit weird that Arsenal, like, so there's two things I thought were a bit weird. One was that Saka was marking someone that close to the goal, like, I don't know, like they're saying, oh, is he the right man to do that? But I was like, oh, you probably oh, could have stuck someone a bit bigger in there. But that, like, I don't, I don't really care about that because I'm like, he should still be able to mark a player. Um, yeah. But it was weird they didn't put someone in front of Leno to let him have a clear look. Like, you know how in a corner mm. when the goalkeeper yeah. positions one of his defenders there and just sort of moves the defender to get the bloke out of the way. Yeah. I, I found it weird that they weren't aware enough to do that because that would have taken away that, like, physical presence. Especially when they put a man on the keeper specifically. Like if yeah. they're not putting anyone on the keeper, then yeah, you don't bother. But when they do, you, you go man for man there. But it just didn't make, it seemed like kind of they had so lacked bad. a bit of, it, and that's like defensive fundamentals too, where like if someone is a natural defender, they would be like, oh, you know, do something about that. But they Don't just let that guy just bear hug our keeper. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I found oh, that really weird and kind of lazy. I honestly think yeah. that it's such an, unusual scenario for a Premier League team to be in. Like they don't, they, like long throws aren't something that we're very used to in the Premier League. So I would say that like, I could imagine that like these, the Arsenal defenders, I mean, they're not very like forward thinking anyway, but they're a bit all, all <laughs> over the place at the moment. But like, I could see them being like, this is so unusual. They're like, oh, what do we do? Like we, we didn't train for this. We didn't go through this drill in training. Like how do we adjust? Like maybe jump I, for the header. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't agree with that, Barney. No, like, I remember, I remember a Roy Delap era and I remember like, and those set pieces are so important for the lower ranked teams. Like it, yeah. it's just, it's just another set piece. And, and all those guys have done played in, um, in the lower leagues to get where they are, whether that be when they were younger and stuff. I appreciate they probably didn't do it last week. But, yeah, on, on their way through, the, there's no doubt they would have dealt with teams like that. So it's just part of your education um, between coming a professional footballer. So should have yeah, dealt yeah. with it better. Yeah, right. It was pretty soft. Anyway, it, not a good day for Arsenal, um, but a great day for Brentford. It's their um, first win in the Premier League in 74 years I believe or in the first division for 74 years as Jobber mentioned last when they got against Arsenal was just after World War Two. so Sean O was just hitting his prime tears so in the stadium too which I enjoyed yeah yeah it was, it was fans <laughs> not just Arteta like, either the Brentford fans like, <laughs> what back in 47 was it <laughs> like uh, yeah <laughs> not just the Rwandan just... people <laughs> it was a great it was a great start to the weekend cause, uh, to see all the fans back in and absolutely buzzing so let's move on to what was a big, big game? Derby. Alan Smith yeah, the Cantonar Derby. United versus Leeds. United smashed them 5-1. Uh, just before Jobba starts his rant, I just want to say that I captained Bruno Fernandes this week in fantasy, and I am a genius. Um, Jobba, you've got two minutes. Go. Shut up about your fantasy. This <laughs> is the, the real deal, Barney. Get the buzzer ready, um, Yeah, yeah look, it, was, it was just an incredible performance from Manchester United, but I think it's important to not get carried away. So I think three of the goals. <laughs> three, what you've been doing. But, but three of the goals were like ostensibly the same goal where like the 
two centre-backs in the defensive midfield were a bit disorganised and someone just ran straight past them. And I think that Manchester United are never going to have a problem with a team that tries to play out against them. And Leeds are going to do that. And they just didn't learn their lesson. The problems for Manchester United against the teams that sit deep. But obviously, you can't help but be excited. Like Bruno Fernandes is just a class above when he's on. And between him and Paul Pogba was just sensational. Like the passing from deep. But I think the really big thing was uh, Manchester United have been a fairly sort of trepid team. And then watching Bruno Fernandes break in behind, like players haven't been doing that for Manchester United in the last couple of years. Like Martial's like a two-feet player. And just watching him break in behind and then Pogba playing in balls, it was just absolutely beautiful, wasn't it? I Yeah, I, I said this to you on Saturday night and I'll, I'll say it one more time. Is, is Fernandes is that guy where you hate him, but God, do you respect him? And and he was linking up well with Pogba. So I, I'll give you that and I'll never say those words again. So take it. It's It's... Crazy that like Fernandez can get in behind like that so often, but he's and he's so far forward all the time, but he's never ever caught out of position. Like he works so hard that if the ball ever turned over like that, he would just sprint back and get in behind and work defensively. Like he's just he just works. He's just nonstop. He's yeah, per- he's perpetual motion, as the commentators like to say. <laughs> he, he does work hard and he's at it all the time. Um, but the other thing is he's got McTominay and Fred. Behind him, who are told yeah, they don't move, do not move, and, yeah. and then a back four. So <laughs> don't go past I mean, halfway. Yeah, I appreciate he does work hard and he does get back most of the time. But at the end of the day, if he didn't, uh, things would be okay yeah. as well. But if yeah. you, if you, if you, I, I agree with you 100. But if you still look at like um, uh, Fernandez off the ball, he still is like sprinting back yeah. to position. Like yeah, absolutely. yeah, it, like it, help, it helps with those two. But he still like you can see him working off the ball, mm-hmm. which is um, which is great. I mean, it also helps when you've got a uh, Leeds defence and midfield that is like almost more shambolic than, I'd say, yeah, more shambolic than Arsenal. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, it's just all over the joint. They're, like, And really noticed it as well when um, United had a goal kick and they played it short, played it wide, and then within two passes, they were already over their halfway line, like through the middle of the field as well. Like it was just so open for them to run through. And I think they were really missing Calvin Phillips. Yeah. That physical presence. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's touch on the uh, the goals. So, Jobber, the first one. And I'm, Just I'm, remind I'm, us what I'm happened. Gonna, I'm going to throw out to Sean here because, Sean, you're a little bit concerned. No, well, but I want to get to the goals as well, and we better because there's a heap of them, so it, it's going to take up a lot of time. But the, <laughs> the other, right. I, I just wanted to talk before we go into the goals about the United team. Obviously, job they got a bunch of players to come back in. Um, you got Varane still to bring in. Uh, Sancho made a little um, cameo um, off the bench. Oh, so, did he? Yeah, there's and yeah. you got Cavani as well, right? So there's players to come back in. But one man who I thought did really well, and his spot is completely lined up to be taken over whenever he wants, um, is uh, Lindelof. I thought he did mm. really, really well. He gets a lot of stick. Um, I thought he de- defended quite well, and on the ball I thought he was decent. Yeah, he, he was, good. But, but inevitably he's going to be dropped because no matter yeah. how well he goes, I I feel he, sorry hasn't got, he hasn't got four Champions Leagues and he hasn't won a World Cup. They so, didn't pay that much for him, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Victor. <laughs> no, look, first goal. Um, so we're talking Bruno Fernandes as per usual. So... Um, the ball comes through from Pogba. First time clip over the top of the Leeds defence. Bruno Fernandez, the sharpest. Robin Cock, just, I don't know if there was no communication or he just didn't track the runner or there was communication, but he went straight through the middle of the Leeds defence. Yeah, it was so bad. Yeah, so I watched I watched that um, that scenario again and uh, 
Cock obviously didn't like um, – he may have not passed the player on too well and the defenders didn't pick him up too well. But he sort of also – he hesitated because he went back with Fernandez for like two or three steps and then was like, oh, shit, I've got to press Pogba mm. and then went for Pogba and then uh, obviously broke down and Fernandez was running between the two centre-backs and then he was in acres of space and Pogba puts in – a delicious ball as well, first time, and so, catches him out, and yeah, just finished well. But the the gaps between the centre back felt like it was so too. Big. It was too big for me. Oh at, yeah, at that yeah, stage, big. the back between all the back four always felt like it was too wide for Leeds. Like it's like they were slow to react to yeah the speed of the ball because it always seemed like they were stretched. And that when that um, ball or Fernandez runs past your sort of partner centre back, you get as soon as it's past him, you've you've got to track Fernandez. You can't just let him waltz in like that like even mm. if you're pulled across a bit you still have to track that run because otherwise he just gets in for the one-on-one like that it's easy yeah exactly and then the uh the second goal which was uh another delicious assist from Pogba which I think you sort of received the ball on the left side of the the mid middle of the park and just lays this amazing ball about 30 yards through to Greenwood who's beaming down the left side oh, yeah and then he just um, takes like three touches into the box and then finishes superbly to the far post on the ground. And Le- Leeds have scored in between. Yeah, let's this not as forget well. that. A- goal of the, goal <laughs> of the game. Could be the goal of the season. Let's, yeah. forget, let's forget about Luke it. Galing, yeah. What a strike. <laughs> Absolute screamer. I'm going to be honest, I did miss that one. <laughs> but did yeah, you? Well, it, oh. was a, it was a, a good hit. Good hit. I just missed, missed it in the running order. But no, Greenwood's <laughs> finish was that's the problem is that, yeah, it was a good hit. It was a good goal. And then three, like three minutes later, it's chalked off from an amazing Greenwood goal, and then it's just united from then on. Yeah, I mean, Fernandez gets his second, which uh, that was the ball from Lindelof. Oh, was it a long C. ball? I think it was. Yeah, yeah that was horrific defending again. How does yeah. that? Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Oh. And Lindelof's got time to like look up and pick that pass and like bend it around. And again, the defenders just didn't react. And I, at the same, they weren't even watching. Oh. But I wasn't happy with the gap between the left back and the yep. centre back again. Like they yep. seemed they were too 100%. far apart. What do you think, Sean? You you're quite passionate about defending. Do you think they were like? Did they were they just too slow to react all the time? Yeah, they, well, they were too slow to react. Like, and I think leads are similar to. Um, to Barcelona and to Man City in the respect that they're wedded to the way that they play. So it doesn't matter what minute of the game, it doesn't matter if they're home, it doesn't matter if they're away, it doesn't matter if they've just scored or or they've just conceded. They play the same way. So yeah. they play those cross balls um, to try and stretch teams and, and by doing that, they, they stretch themselves. So it's in those transition moments where it's turned over that there's just so many gaps. And so whether they're just, yeah, not fit enough yet or Manchester United, which is probably more likely, Manchester United's passing is more um, accurate than um, probably what they're coming up against That's... week to week. So they can actually thread those balls and, and find those spaces. Whereas if they're playing against, um, like, let's say, a, a Watford or a Villa or a Brentford, like those those mistakes and those, you know, one-yard recovery runs where you're just not fast enough aren't exploited. But, I mean, for me, Fernandez and Pogba just picked them apart with their accurate passing and, and that was it. Yeah, that's that's what I, one thing I really highlighted for me with Leeds. They just seem technically subpar, like their passing. And, and even the passes that were like to feet, some touches were heavy in that. It just seemed like they'd been – I think we joked about it. They'd been too, doing too many sprints and doggies and they just hadn't been on the balls enough in preseason, it seemed like. But I felt like they were getting picked out even when they weren't in transition. 
Like they had enough to yeah, like Lindelof yeah. for Lindelof's ball to Fernandez. Lindelof wasn't in transition, not, yeah. No, they're not in transition at all. They're just that was slow in, motion. They're, yeah, they're in poor shape. Um so I was really disappointed with that and I was really disappointed with the fact that Leeds just didn't learn. Like yeah. they didn't uh, throughout the course of the game, I just thought they were a better team than that and they just didn't learn. But as we say, they're addicted or and wedded to their style and they won't change anything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, the last couple of goals that were there was, for me, the goal of the game probably was Fernandez's volley. He smashed it and it looked <laughs> oh, like he went like shit. top of the top of the boot and then you look back and he actually side-footed this, it absolutely leathered it straight over the keeper's head. Fantastic volley that was. And then the last goal, which that's when you really know that you're, you're having <laughs> a bad game, is when Fred's beaming into the box to finish off a move, off a nice little work, work move into and a, a nice little nicked cross, and Fred finishes nicely to uh, wrap up a five-one win against your rivals. Um, Pogba finishes with four assists. Fernandez finishes with three goals and an assist, I believe, as well. Yeah. Can I just jump um, in with a stat? Uh, that's more assists yeah. than Pogba got all season last season. It is. Did you all see right. what? Can I jump in with a stat as well? No. Nah. Manchester oh, yeah, United, right. top of the league. <laughs> top of what the league. What a boring league. stat. So Pogba obviously had a great game and a real and had a great time out there. But did you see what Graham Soonis had to say? The man cannot give oh, him a compliment. Please tell me. So uh, Soonis was basically going on about how good Greenwood was and how he was like the best player out there and he was so solid in his position, which he had a great game. He was, mm-hmm. he was good. Um, and then Mika Richards was like, yeah, what about Pogba though? He got four assists and was like running things. And Graham's like, "Oh well, you expect that from a hundred million pound player." That's kind of fair, but yeah, he, four he, assists every game. Suck a fat one, Graham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't know how to say it nicely. Yeah, he just he yeah. just doesn't want to go back of what he well not go. He doesn't have to go back on what he said. He just doesn't want to give a compliment to a guy he's been railing on for three yeah. years. He's got to save face. They were <laughs> Scalzi was ripping on Pogba at halftime uh, with regards to that step over. Yeah, 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 that and, was and bad. We're all saying he overcomplicated and Scolzi made the little jab that, yeah, he does that a lot of the time. But even, even Scolzi at the end of the game was complimentary. Probably like, yeah. yeah, it was world-class. You that walked was, it back. Great game. Yeah, exactly. All right. all right, boys, sadly, I'm going to have to reel this in here. So Manchester yeah, United, top of the league, uh, Leeds, bottom of the league. Let's move on to um, a less exciting fixture. We'll skip over this admit. one quickly. Yeah, Leicester City 1, Wolves nil. Jamie Vardy howling. Yeah. Well, how how good was the shit housery from Vardy to do that? <laughs> he just <laughs> scores, scores his goal, I runs over to their fans, and, oh. then, and then gets to howling. But yeah, like I thought, Leicester were bright the first ten or fifteen minutes. They were pressing so hard, they were so high. There was one situation, real early doors, where Pereira is just all the way up, um, uh, pressing Connor Cody. Like he he was in front of um, uh, Perez and and uh, Vardy. So I think that was just a little indication of how high Brendy wanted his team to play. But yeah, first 15, Leicester were really at it. And then Wolves sort of like got a little foothold in the game. They've probably got two really good chances, both from Amate's passing out of the back. One of the passes got picked off. Um, I think Neves picked it off. And then, um, yeah, Adame missed a one-on-one. And then one of them was just played straight to um, Adame. Where, but to be honest, that, that was really the only times where um, Wolves created anything and, and gave Leicester some, some um, danger. Leicester started with a back four, went to a back three um, late on. And, yeah, to be honest, probably looked comfortable um, and I thought deserved the deserved the points. Not a lot of highlights in, in this game. Um, I thought Leicester looked sharper than Wolves. Good to see um, Jimenez um, back 
on the on the pitch. Um, yeah, it was wearing, good to see him out there wearing this like weird half yeah. helmet, half like you know when um you know when it's really hot you put and they have that's like, exactly what I was thinking. Face. The cool gel, yeah. the cool gel. He looked like he was wearing yeah. one of those the whole time, but he got upper headers and stuff like that. So I think yeah, Didn't maybe it's down. just a confidence thing. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see him back. But the really difference between the two teams was um just Vardy's quality. Like um, Wolves had a couple of half chances and Leicester had a couple of half chances. But the difference is Vardy finished it. Yeah, Trey, all right. Sorry, you go, Bun. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, that's right. I, I, I agree with you completely, Sean. I think the, the like difference between the teams is just quality. Like, and not even just quality. Like, Vardy's finish was unreal. But, like, the just quality all over the pitch. Like, you could see um, Wolves were creating some chances, but, like, their balls into the box were just, like, so poor. And that final ball was really lacking from them. Yeah. Which was, was tough to see. Um, and, yeah, it just really comes down to just – just a difference in quality, in quality of, of players, I think, in the end. But, I mean, Traore got through a few times. Yeah, yeah. And he was oiled up again. Looked fantastic. <laughs> he was. But, um, yeah, just his finishing, again, just, like, bad. And if he could finish, he'd get 30 goals a season. He's, he's like, so much physically stronger and faster than everyone out there, but just hasn't got the technical ability to finish off a, off a move. Only... Um, yeah. So he looked most likely to score for them, but outside of that, yeah, just couldn't couldn't get the right ball into place. No, nah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, Traore looked pacey, couldn't finish. I think I don't think he get thirty goals a season. I think he also needs to learn how to pass a ball and dribble in tighter spaces. But outside of that, he could be quite a player. Yeah, he. Pa- <laughs> hey, mate, I'm not happy moving on from that. Yeah, yeah I'll <laughs> wait for you. So, what can he do then? <laughs> he can run fast. That's well, was kind of my point. Well, that's that was like of, without lucky, saying it. Lucky he can run because he can't play football. No, that's that was sort of my point. He just <laughs> straight over the head. No, but he he's uh, he was looking good though. He looked real good out there. But yeah, no, he's, he's um, when he does try and pass it though, he always like smacks it way too hard as well. Like it always like rockets it into the feet of the person receiving. They just like or bobbles it. Take, Take take a bit off it, but yeah, wolves are um, not up to the races, and it, you could sort of tell as a team that two, between two teams where Leicester know how they want to play and know their system. Wolves are learning a new system and still trying to learn where the movement of each other within that system. So we'll move on. Oh, Sean, one uh, more well, point. Well, yeah, one more um, non-football related um, item. Um, good to see Brendan Rodgers in a suit, slightly oversized, cuffs a little bit too long, but apart from that, look good in a suit. I love to see the home manager wearing a suit. Um and the Wolves gaffer, how do you say that? Lager? Bruno Large. 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 Just what come to he, me for any, is, any name, sure. But what is he wearing? He's wearing this grey tracksuit thing that made him look like the oldest guy you've ever seen who um, lobs down to the tennis centre on a Sunday. That's, that's the type <laughs> so, of tracksuit he's wearing. Disgusting. Get that out of so my face. So I, I described it as a Portuguese fish and chip shop owner. That's what I thought he looked like. Oh, have a but, bit of pride, um, mate. Like, if that's your first game in charge of your new team and you roll that out. Come, get out of my face. Wait, wait till we get to the Watford manager, Sean. That's all I can say. Oh. All right. Let's move on to Chelsea 3, Crystal Palace nil. Uh, good win for Chelsea. They didn't really have to get out of second gear for this one. Um, Crystal Palace, as Job already mentioned, didn't show much. And it honestly didn't seem like things had really changed since Vieira t- has taken over. Jobber, what did, what did you think uh, about that? I know you're a big critic of his. I'm a massive critic of his, and I'll continue to be a critic of his. Um, no, look, it was very poor from Crystal Palace. Um, and, like, they're... Under Roy, they had a heavy reliance on Wolf Zaha, and he looked so frustrated on the weekend. But I, I don't know whether they were so bad or just Chelsea are that much better than him. 
But um, Chelsea absolutely dominated from start to finish. It took them a little while to score, but when they scored that first goal, my God, what a strike yeah, from Mark Good Alonso. goal. Oh, Chilwell could do that. Kick. No, he could Chilwell not. That's why he was out there. But um, very impressive strike from Alonso. And then we also got in there from – I'm trying to think of. We've got a final – we've got to finish off there from – Oh, I can't think. Oh, Pulisic. Pulisic. The second one, home, one yep. the scrappy one. Yep, that was pretty yeah, good. That's right. and, then, that's right. and then a cracking strike from Trevor Chalobah, who no one believed his first name was Trevor. But yeah. great strike. And then he <laughs> broke down. It. He was really upset about that. Like, I think he was <laughs> I think he was looking back at Crystal Palace's performance when he scored. Yeah. <laughs> Dubbed his toe when he hit it. That was an unreal strike he hit, though. Uh, yeah. Very good finish. Uh, I mean, like, there's not really much more to touch on this game. I don't game. have much else to say. I'll just yeah. point out that it did look like, to be fair to Crystal Palace, which is kind of what we expected from them, that they looked like a team that hadn't really played together much, like people that were sort of still getting to know each other. So, yeah. But already already in trouble, I think. They look, like, they look like a team that released 12 players last season. Yeah. yeah. I right, He's reading the your, uh, manager. <laughs> Oh, yeah, my, my uh, so this didn't really work for my predictions because I had I had the Watford manager winning the sack race, but also his kit he had on, and you talk about oversized oversized gear. He had a huge oversized suit. It might have even been thinly pinstriped. Possibly was it? Is I'm he the guy sure that I described as the uh, dodgy used car salesman? Yes, that dude? is the one. Yeah. Oh, that was Shishko. shocking. Yeah, yep. terrible, Jesus. terrible kit, but great performance from Watford. 3-2 winners over Aston Villa. This was probably the surprise result of the weekend for me. Um, I really thought Aston Villa, well, I've tipped them as dark horses and I really thought they'd um, take off uh, this season, but a bit of a bad start for them. Uh, Saar looked ominous down the right-hand side. Jobby, you're a big fan of his. Wasn't he rapid? Like he, he honestly was having an absolute field day against the Villa left back. I think it was actually young for a bit there, but... Like he, as they were getting him the ball early, and any time they got the ball out to him early, he just burned down that touchline. If you, if you watch the highlights, it's every time Sar gets the ball open on the right, like you can't actually see the Aston Villa left back. No, he just he's, absolutely yeah. he's him. that far in behind. Um, and there was also a cracking strike in there from is it Chucho Barney? Uh, oh, the I third goal for it Abs- yeah, absolutely that was stunning unreal. strike from Chucho. I'll go out on a limb here. Yeah, great strike there. I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably not far behind that was McGinn's goal. I would say McGinn's oh, goal of the weekend. McGinn's goal of the weekend for me. Technically, when I saw that, it reminded me of Robin Van Persie. Yeah, yes. you did say that. It had that, yeah, it had that purity of the left-footed strike. That was a cracking goal. I think um, we'll go when we get to the City game, we'll see um, what not to do with Mares is a similar attempt at a goal like that, which he shanked <laughs> yeah. the shit out of, but yeah. don't want to spoil anything. And, cl- and closer. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, I mean, very good showing from uh, Watford. You know, we're 3-0 up uh, at that stage before the McGinn goal, pegged it back, and then a late pen, uh, which Danny Ings put away very nicely. Forgot how good a penalty taker he Captain was. Captain on fantasy. Yeah, smart move. Not as smart as Bruno Fernandes as captain, but not as smart. But uh, yeah, Aston Villa come out of it uh, loses three two to Watford. So good start for Watford. Not so good for Aston Villa. Are we worried at all about Aston Villa? Was there anything there that concerned you, or just a bad day nah, office? Too soon. I no, I don't yeah. care about them anyway. <laughs> I've got <laughs> my heart. They're, they're my second team. Yeah, right. you should be. Let's move. Let's move on to these next couple quickly. So we got Everton versus Southampton. Everton win three one. Uh, very shaky start from Everton and looked poor in the first half, but were a changed team in the in the second half. Jobbo, you were watching this one closely. 
I was abundantly clear last week that uh, Everton had a problem at the back with making stupid errors and conceding goals. And within half an hour of me sitting down and being like, great, Everton are playing the Rafa revolution. What is Michael Keane doing? What did he that do? Was so bad on that goal. <laughs> changed, his, <laughs> changed his mind four times. Mid-mid. Yeah, but then, and then <laughs> and his then alternative was like, oh, shit, I'm in a bad spot. I'll chuck my teammate under the bus. <laughs> yeah. Holgate got put under the pump. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you just got it. Like, there's all this, the whole play it out. We play out from the back, but that's a time when it's better to kick it out, to but hook play, up the field or play, play the Pickford. keeper. Yeah, play, <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean, but like any other option but standing still and not playing the ball at all is the worst option. <laughs> And then Adam was, Armstrong, Adam Armstrong took the cobwebs out of the net. Oh yeah, oh, he that, finished did you that. See that so bubble well. slightly before he hit it. Beautiful. That's, that's what gave it the rise. That's why I got that. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it was like an inch from going over the bar. That's even more impressive that he hit it on the bubble when it still went it to go yeah. top corner. Um, the only other thing that I was a bit disappointed in this game, speaking of horrific defending, was Southampton's uh, defending on on uh, Richarlison's goal. What was going on there? It got just no, they got no defenders left, mate. Oh, <laughs> defender, it's like about to, if he had stood still, it might have hit him in the head. But he, it's like he just stepped forward and left it to go over his head. And Richarlis, it's like, oh, cheers, mate. Keep it in calm. No calls from anyone. That's embarrassing. It was. It was bad. So Richarlison gets one back on the right at the start of the second half, and then it's all Everton from there. Dakure again, possible scandalous defending on that one. He turned like uh, twice in the box, I think. Um, He's agile. And the last goal from DCL. Diving header off a rip across. That was delicious, that one. Could he have just kicked it? Nah, but if you got the diving, <laughs> yeah. the diving head is on. Yeah, he's always impressed. He's better with his head than his feet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. But that was excellent lead up from Richarlison. And then he just whips one across. And then Calvert-Lewin, he'll, he'll eat those up every day of the week. He tried to eat it. Yeah. Right. Right. his face. So uh, good win for Everton in the end. Um, things don't look great for Southampton, but... This is early still. So let's move on to Brighton v. Burnley. Again, another dubber. another game which was sort of a game of two halves where Burnley really dominated the first half. Um, a great goal from Tarkovsky just absolutely barreling through Neil Morpay. Get out of the way, Neil yeah. Morpay. Get out of the way. <laughs> How good was that? There was so much like controversy around that and then nothing happened. I thought it was fantastic. And to happen to Neil Morpay as well is, is yeah, quite that's last season. Last season, that would not be given. Oh, how, no, good, how like, good is it to say? It's like, yeah, bars, that's football, like oh, right? look back at it. And then someone's sitting in there now being like, get out of the way, Morpay. Tarkovsky's yeah. coming through. They're in the VAR booth being like, suck shit, Morpay, get out, you pussy. <laughs> well, what's that's the point of having all that strength and doing all that work if, you're not, if you can't use it in football? Like, that's it's gonna, just it's, not it's, what it's like. It's yeah. going to be a real rude awakening for a lot of players who go over easy this this year. Yeah, Verona, I hope so. Yeah. And it, it was highlighted for me very much so in the Tottenham game. But anyway, great great, um, great header from Tarkovsky. And then they almost had a, a very similar one on another corner for them where Tarkovsky did like a ninja kick in midair and put it... Um, just over uh, off a header that went into the bar, which yeah. was uh, fantastic. But then bright, it was all Brighton's second half. Um, I think who do we have? Morpe uh, got one back on. Got one back over Tarkovsky. Yeah, go, go on over Tarkovsky. Sliding finish on the off a cross, and then uh, the final goal was uh, McAllister. How did he put? How did he put that one in again? Oh, I remember was, this one. Wasn't paying much attention to it to be honest. It was. It was. He, he finished it off anyway and got Brighton the win. That was two quick goals in five minutes. So two one win for Brighton. Good to see them come back from down against a team like Burnley as well. That's good for their their season. I'm still worried they haven't signed a striker, but 
we'll see how they go. So let's move on to the next one. Yeah. Liverpool v Norwich. Josh, what did, what did you think of your boys' first outing of the season? Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, we had uh, Ox starting, Simicast starting, um, and I thought that it was just, just sort of like good professional start to the season. Um, got in three points, no injuries, clean sheet. Uh, Salah's sloppy first touch, which you sort of expect from him from time to time, led to a goal, so that's a nice change of pace. Um, mm. And those front three... When Jota was on and when he came off for Firmino, um, they looked more like their old self from a couple of seasons ago where they were linking up together. They were hugging each other after the goals again, all three of them. It was good to see. Like, the boys are back together again. Simicast did look good going forward. Um, yeah, they were, the, they were the main. Oh, and Salah's record, uh, five opening day goals, Premier League record, was a nice one. Um, not, a, not a bad stat, that one. And did you guys see, I'll, I'll throw to you guys on this one, um, the save from Allison. Late on, it was like the around the 90th minute, 88th minute or something. Um, oh, it was a cross in and it was like about four yards out. The ball bounced in front of the striker and he had a yeah, hit. Yeah, I did see that Allison one. He was, dived he was, across. Sort of, was, he, was he dive across or was he falling backwards and saved it? Was it no, he was remember. on his line. He dived forwards uh, okay. into the side, blocked it sort of uh, his yeah. chest. It spilled down and then he, he slapped another attempt, sort of blocked that. Then it bounced up in the air. He jumped up and palmed it away. It was it was nice. Yeah. Probably that that could almost be save of the season, I reckon. So, um. <laughs> I think against, against Norwich in. in the first week. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, yeah, no. But if you watch it, you'll see it's uh, it's going to be tough to beat. It's got to beat Gundogan. He doesn't even blink as he um as he saves it as it hits him in the chest, which is the most impressive part. I think doesn't flinch at all. Yeah, it was a good outing by Liverpool. I think it, it sort of reminded me of that the season when they um when they did win the league when they sort of would come up against a team where they couldn't break them down immediately. But then they would they wouldn't get frustrated and sort of lose their heads and and lose their game plan. They just kept persisting, and then eventually they got the breakthrough. Um, and I think that was important for them because yeah, I think last year they lost when they went on that bad run. They sort of lost that a bit, yeah. And sort of lost yeah. their mojo. So it was good. It was good to see them uh, get that back. Uh, and good. not with the full strength squad either. Yeah, it was Milner a real, sec- real well. second string midfield, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, not your starters job. at all. Um, but yeah, yeah, did the job. Any, anything else to add to this one? I'm good, guys. I'm happy to move on. I don't want to drag you guys no, down too long. Very, it's very professional, very professional yeah. display from Liverpool. Like, I just don't have too much to add, but good to see. Well, not good to see, but obviously <laughs> Salah in the goals again. Yeah. yeah. That air of, ine- air of inevitability about the goals is coming, I felt like was hovering over this game. Like you never doubted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty. So let's, let's cut to uh, West Ham v Newcastle. So West Ham win 4-2. Um, good comeback win. From West Ham, which is not something I thought I'd be saying uh, reviewing this match. Um, and the man with a body like me, Mikhail Antonio, uh, <laughs> finished off nicely and got two assists while also missing a pen throughout the game. What do, what do we think of West Ham's performance in this one? Can, can I just mention that? Because I know this is job is going to love this one regarding fantasy. Um, that pen job, as it was saved and bounced back and Suchek somehow got to it first. That's an assist for Antonio, by the way. I was just remember you saying on Saturday you love those <laughs> wow. soft assists. Mm, They're really yeah. good. So, yeah, that that helped me beat you this I, week. Uh, throughout last season, one of the themes was that I love Mikel Antonio. So I won't begrudge him that because he's always <laughs> When he plays, he is just so, so critical for them. It's what and, true um, – Traore should be. Yeah, when when he when he plays it like, and he was a big part of that turnaround. But just on that first goal, Barney, I know you're a big St. Maximum fan. Um, I think Callum Wilson deserves so much credit for timing his run. Yeah, because I reckon St. <laughs> Maximum cut on the left back oh, probably God. five times, at least. 
Yeah, yeah and they've kicked the, in the step overs and the shoulder rolls. It was Declan Rice he was cutting back on. Yeah, that's what yeah, I, Declan that's Rice. What I, that's what I wanted to point out is that, like, Declan Rice did nothing wrong there. And it just, it's no. just such a game of inches where St. Maximin cuts. But no one's going to do that except St. Maximin. Cuts five times, whips in the cross. And, yeah, Wilson gets between the two centre-backs. And he hits, it, like, on, he hits it on the burst too, which I think is so yeah. impressive because how many times do you think, like there's no camera following him to show me how many times he made that you run. You have to check his run. Yeah. Like, yeah, what yeah. What are you doing, Alan? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, there you go. Oh, no. I, I, thought, like, I thought West Ham yeah. were good in patches. I, I think if they'd come up to, against most other teams in the first week, they would have been undone um, just because of this performance. Like it was up and down a lot. So, yeah, lucky they ran into um, Newcastle and were good enough to, to score four um, oh, no. and get it done. That first goal, it looked like Declan Rice had almost like given up and was like, "God, stop! Just, just bloody cross it, hurry up! Like, do something!" Because Maximum didn't like look like he was going to pass it or anything, and everyone else looked like they were standing still, bored at that stage. Poor Jack Rice. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Poor Jack Rice. Shout out. So yeah, good, good win for West Ham. Um, good to see they can do things without Shawno's mate Jaylings. Uh, and we'll move on to the final match of the round. That was Tottenham one. Man City nil. What a performance from the boys. I mean, to Walk go up against it. the champions and, and to do that was fantastic. I think City were very strong from the start, looked pretty good, um, and Spurs just sort of weathered the storm a bit and and worked well. I think I was worried that lineup, um, that back line, like Sanchez and uh, Dyer pairing, I was a bit worried. But um, I think, like, throughout the game, they were so solid and made very few errors. Jobby, you obviously agree with that? Uh, somewhat, Sam. My question to you is, <laughs> so Daniel Levy's watching from the stands and he's, like, writing on a notepad. Do you reckon he's sending the offer over to City being like, I just watched you lose 1-0, 150 just become 200? I, no, I, th- I, think, he, I think he just sent uh, them a message saying, looks like you guys could use a striker. Do you, want, do you want Vinicius as well? Hashtag lol. Do you want, <laughs> do you want Troy Parrott, 150 mil? No, I, I, uh, I, I just think Spurs were just really solid all over the field and just like for a team that's obviously got a new coach in, like new system, um, they looked very assured in what they were doing um, and sort of uh, there was a few missed passes on early counters, um, but after that they looked pretty clinical and, and sort of like were – um, comfortable enough on the ball to knock it around a bit and and sort of even on the counter pull it back and and re- and uh, rotate it through again and start again. Um, I thought um, City, especially early on, looked real dangerous. Uh, they had a, a couple of half chances yeah. early on and I thought they were going to break the game open and really do Spurs in there. But Spurs did well to hang on. I thought Tanganga was unbelievable. His first like, was four or five challenges, oh. he was just snapped into them. And he was nice, bullying, nice and Sterling and Grealish. Yeah, which was which was really good. I think, uh, yeah, I thought he was super. I was really um, impressed with him. Um, I mean, it wasn't the greatest football I've ever seen by by Spurs, but I think they were they were sort of causing um, City troubles um, when City were turning it over because City was so far forward. So in those transition mm. moments, that they were getting um, some joy, which is why they kept playing into that. Like Son had a couple of chances where he could have pulled the trigger. And um and scored that goal earlier, but he dribbled down there or got one on one and chopped back in and didn't take the shot a couple of times. So yeah, eventually when he did pull the trigger, um nice goal. Um and then the other thing I had was um Nuno's outfit. So that's how you do smart casual bomber nice jacket, leather, hey, nice, yeah, leather shoes with a white sole to just give it that casual look, and then a, a nice smooth 
bomber jacket that's called, Josh. He oh, looked, cheers, I might have to pick one up. He looked very, very classy, didn't he? Yeah, it looked good. Yeah, it looked good. He, he could teach Pep a few things about dressing up for a game, I think. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's already Pep. But what do we think of uh, the goal, Sun's goal? I yeah, mean, so it, what, I was going to ask what, about that. What is, what is his dominant foot? Because I don't know what it is anymore. He's right is it his left or is it his he's right? He's definitely right-footed. But, yeah. No, um, have you seen that goal? But he's, you know, five-star He's star a professional FIFA. footballer, mate. He can shoot <laughs> yeah. on both feet. Bloody okay, he's a professional <laughs> footballer. There's some fucking terrible people on their weak foot in the Premier League. Yeah. Guarantee that. Some people on this um, pod with a weak foot. <laughs> Not me. So, boys, <laughs> I, I'm really interested in what you think of the goal because I'm pretty disappointed with Nathan Ake, but I also felt mm, like there was yep. an air of inevitability about this as well because City just, like, they were really pressing high and they didn't seem that encouraged by getting back. So I think Lucas Mora should have had a chance earlier that Sun didn't pass. Yeah, that um, yeah that was yep. when Sun but like, recycled. But they it. looked very vulnerable. Yeah, mm. on the counter particularly. There was another one for Bergvine where he should have scored. Really, he definitely um, should have scored. Oh, the left foot one. Yeah, it was just after we scored. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Put that away Could have killed sure. the game. But I yeah. think the the biggest thing for City is they did look vulnerable um, on the counter. But I think that'll go away when they bring Walker into the team. Like he's just so electric. Yeah. You saw a couple of times True. when um, England played him in in one of those positions. He just gets back so fast, and so I think when he comes in, um, Mendy will get the chop. And uh, Cancelo will move over. Ake will obviously come out and um, Stones will come in. So, yeah, like not the end of the world for City. Um, obviously, it's nice and early for them. I was also, about to call for Guardiola's head. Again. <laughs> of course you would. No, not no reaction at all. But how, also, how bad was Mendy? Like he was, he was pretty bad in that game. I, I he, don't like, know how he's at City. There was one incident yeah. where he literally just like there was a – Spurs player on his back and he just tries to do a complete 180 turn straight into him and then we get on the counter into an attacking like three on three move. It's like not a smart footballer. No, he's, 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 he just does makes bad decisions. He got the hook yeah. in the game and then Roy Keane roasted him at the end and basically said um, he can't Whoa. defend. But <laughs> his his long term injury bought him more time at City, I think. Yeah. Maybe yeah. everyone's like, oh, he's been the injured invest- for ages. Yeah. Wait till we see him out. Yeah. The investment yeah. and then that. All right. Yeah. All right. We can we can move on from one. that. It was a fantastic win for Tottenham. So <clears> looking <throat> on at the other big winner for the weekend, and that was the multi, I believe. Your boys, hey, Us. we've, we've done actually it. done it. Yeah, correct. So Dollar Dom sent in the multi this week. Dollar and, Dom, um, I love that nickname. So <laughs> step one, we had uh, Brentford draw double chance. So they won, um, as I predicted. I went back and listened to make sure that I said this would work. Easy and money. It did. Easy money there against Arsenal. So then we had Manchester United to win and over two and a half goals, and we all know what happened there. Two and a half, <laughs> two and a half wasn't enough. Um, Could have made more money. Yeah, so then we had Chelsea to win. That I knew that was going to happen probably 30 seconds into that game. Leicester City. So did Oracle. Um, Banker. Yeah. Easy money. <laughs> Next. Yeah, a couple of scary moments at the end there. And then the last one was looking highly unlikely, and this was mm. the one – that we were really uncertain about. Watford stormed into a 3-0 lead and we had both teams to score. Beautiful. And then John, John McGinn, not for the yeah. first time, bowed yeah. me out of a hole. John Van yeah. Persie, right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> Job, we had uh, $10 redos on that and how much did we make? For uh, 157.60 we made. What a win for the yeah. pod. Oh, well, oh, there it is again. I'll send you my bank details Thank you, um, Dollar Dom. So will he yeah. be back next week? Oh, he's back, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Dollar Dom, get in touch, ranges. mate. He, he got in touch with me Saturday night. He was he was sweating bullets. Oh, of course he was. Send an email. Um, yeah, <laughs> send an email, and I'll contact him this week because obviously we're on a we've got a hot hand right now, so we've got we to do. keep the good times keep going. Keep it rolling, yeah. all of them. All right, absolutely. So 
Um, that's it, boys. So if you want to get in touch with the show, email us at footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com. And I am checking those now. Um, <laughs> Facebook is Remember Football Played on you. Paper. Insta at Football on Pods. Twitter at Football on Pods. What a wonderful week, boys. We have at least six more days of Manchester United being top of the league and Arsenal being down the bottom. Make the most of it, mate. Leicester joint top. I can't see that table moving. <laughs>